We back, baby. Episode 20. We are 20 episodes deep into the Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. What a what a great milestone to hit. You know? 20. We really 20 deep. 20, 20, 20. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for continuing to listen and giving me a reason to continue doing this. I have a blast doing it. And uh, the the listenership has inspired me to keep doing it. So thank you so much. We have plenty to talk about. The last couple of days have been, uh, th- there have been a slew, some may say, of things that have come uh, to fruition the last couple of days. The Tigers are starting to make cuts. We're getting closer and closer to our opening day roster. And we got some positional battles that are reaching a really climatic peak, to be honest with you, um, specifically in the outfield and behind the plate. But there's even a few more that there, there's quite a few battles there. So we're going to go through all the cuts that have been made uh, lately. Uh, some cuts were just made this morning. I'm recording this on Wednesday. So if you're listening on Wednesday, um, then yeah, congrats. You're listening the day of. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff and how the roster outlook uh, looks. Then the Pistons, there's a lot of trade rumors. We're going to talk about all the names that have been thrown around for the Pistons to land because some of them are absolutely ridiculous and never happening in a million years. Uh, and then we're going to talk about possible moves that we are still trying to move to move from our own team rather than uh, names that we're linked to to trying to bring in. The Wings, uh, we got a goalie situation to talk about. Obviously, I'm going to plug Locked On Red Wings. Uh, and then we have a hot mic situation uh, last night for the, the Predators game last night that cost someone their job and not because he like said you know, dropped an F-bomb or anything like that. It's for it's for what the whole sentence was. So we'll um, get into that. And then the Detroit Lions have done some contract uh, moving around to make uh, a lot more cap space, a lot more cap space. And then another mock draft drop. So we're going to analyze that. So that's today's show. That's today's Bentley show. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Bentley show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Let's get Right into her. This is such good timing. I'm literally going to finish recording this right at like first pitch of the Tiger game. So that's going to be a beautiful, beautifully timed thing for, for myself personally. But the Tigers, speaking of the Detroit baseball Tigers, um, cuts are starting to be made, man, which is exciting uh, just because that means we're getting closer and closer to baseball season, right? But at the same time, there's some uh, decisions, a lot of big decisions have to be made. First off, we'll start with the cuts that happened literally like two hours ago, okay? The Tigers um, informed, well, not cuts really, kind of the opposite, but you roster shaping, you get what I'm saying. It's not a big deal. Um, so Julio Tehran officially has made the team. AJ Hinch told Julio Tehran he has made the roster. Okay. And then Tarek Skubal has also been told that he's not only made the roster, but made the rotation. So that's big. Skubal is, is not that big, mostly because that was super predictable. Uh, Scooble's been pretty solid all spring. He still had some command issues and his pitch count gets high sometimes, but for spring training purposes, he's looked great. Um, and he settled in really nicely at the end of last season, man. His last few starts, uh, were, were really nice. And he kind of got into a groove there, um, after a, after a rough start to his major league campaign, he kind of settled in nicely. So, um, this is, absolutely saw it coming from a mile away have been talking about him making the team on a camp since before spring even started that was I kind of always expected that to happen um so good for him opening day roster that means for the next six years we can pretty much pencil him in as as uh 
somebody who's going to be on this opening day roster and on the rotation on opening day. And that's super exciting, man. That's super exciting. We're, we're done playing the the waiting game of, oh, we're just going to keep tanking, keep tanking. And while we are still this year, um, now that we have a top prospects whose service clock is in, in full swing, um, we don't want to waste anybody's time no more. So we're, hopefully this means we're going to be turning a corner soon. Um, and, and, oh, it's not that deep. Yes, it is that deep. Okay. I promise. <laughs> I overthink everything. Um, so that's super awesome. Uh, and, and he's looked pretty good in the spring. Like I said, uh, this is not something that he just got kind of like handed, uh, especially because people like Mize have not been told that they've made the team yet. And we'll get to him in a second. So Scooble pretty expected. Uh, pretty expected. Like I said, had a nice spring and settled in nicely last year. Um, yeah, not, no complaints from me. Obviously he deserves to be here. Let's, let's put him with fatter and continue the, the developmental, the developmental, is that a word? Development process. Sure. Julio Tehran's a little surprising to me, not because he's had a bad spring. He's actually done the opposite. He's had an unbelievable spring. He's looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, his stats in, in spring ball, I'm pretty sure he has like a one ERA and a sub one whip or something like he's, he's for real dominating, to be honest with you. Um, that being said, he's a non-roster invite technically. I mean, he has a minor league contract, but he's an, he's a non-major league roster invite that is now making the team out of camp and he was horrible last year. There's no way around it. He was absolutely freaking terrible last year but his velocity's up and like I said he, he's he's been unreal this spring for real he, he had one outing where he had like seven K's and in three innings or something um it he's he's been phenomenal so it doesn't surprise me from a from a you know stats or like a how he's done in the spring standpoint it doesn't surprise me that he's on the team however uh the starting pitch, the rotation is interesting now. A lot of, you know, what's my favorite thing to talk about? We love to talk about avenues, right? There's a lot of avenues now that are kind of get spread from him making the team. Uh, he, now this means really nothing because Hinch is going to do what Hinch wants to do. But Tehran said he wants to start 30 games this year. Okay, so he wants to be in the rotation. He's talking, he's talking about him being in the rotation, right? So, Let's look at the rotation as a whole now, okay? So we have Boyd announced as opening day starter, by the way. We'll cover that. I don't think I've been on since that announcement was made, so good for him. Uh, Turnbull is missing the first, I want to say, four games due to COVID, uh, so that it has to be Boyd. You weren't going to put a rookie out there, and you weren't going to put out one of these guys you signed for, you know, Tehran, Urania, whatever, one of these one-year deal guys, so it had to be Boyd. Uh, I don't know why people are mad. Um, so you have Boyd at the top. It's not going to be this exactly because again, he's not going to be ready by game two. However, Turnbull's going to be your two for the season. Once he's back, uh, he's, he doesn't have COVID, but I think contact tracing, I think he's just quarantined anyway, he's going to be your two, uh, when it's all said and done. Scooble is going to probably be your three. I'd imagine, um, get a, another lefty up there regardless he's either he's gonna be in there um the order is not too important with this I'm just an overthinker um Scooble's gonna be in there Urania's gonna be in there so that's four people now Tehran made the team so we can assume that he's gonna be in there he's been a starter his whole life so Tehran's gonna be in there and then I think you have to kind of assume Fulmer is still in there. Like whether it's just a spot start every once in a while, or like if we play a back to back to back to back, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I don't know. Am I, I, Hinch just talked about a six man rotation. So that's a possibility. Uh, however, Notice in that six-man rotation, Casey Mize is is nowhere to be seen. Um, 
Boyd, Turnbull, Scooble, Urania, Tehran, Fulmer. That's six. So, even with a six-man rotation, Mize is an odd man out. And he has not looked great in the spring. His stuff is undeniable, but we can't just keep saying for the rest of his career, damn, he has great stuff, but he has no command. We've been saying that since he got called up. And that might be me exaggerating a little bit. He's still young. I still think he's going to be great. I'm not, like, worried about him. I don't think he's a bust or anything. He is still very young and very early on in the development process. I'm just talking about for making the opening day roster this year, it might be more beneficial for him to start either in AAA or, like, the alt site or something. You know what I mean? Kind of work on his mechanics. He has a lot of mechanical problems, as I feel like I say 90 times an episode. He's got a lot of mechanical issues to still work on. So, there's a lot going on uh, with Tehran making the team. You can have a six-man rotation without Mize. You can move Fulmer to the bullpen. Does Tehran making the team mean Michael Fulmer is coming out of the bullpen now? Because then you could have a six-man with Mize. Right, you could you could have a, you could just replace Fulmer's name with Mize's name, um, and Fulmer comes out of the pen now, and maybe is an opener every once in a while. I, there's a lot, man. There's a lot of stuff that could happen now that that Tehran's on the team. That's not something I really expected. Like a week ago, I didn't really expect to be having this conversation of like, oh my gosh, Julio Tehran. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, it's super interesting. He absolutely deserves it. Like I said, he, he's been great, and his velocity's up like three or four miles an hour than it was last year when he was topping out at like 89 or something. But like, I don't know. This, this, I don't want to use the word long jammed because that implies that like this entire rotation is really good. And we're like, oh, like we're the, the Dodgers, right? And we're like, oh my gosh, we're just so good. We can't find spots for all this talent. Like, that's very far from the truth. But we do have a lot of guys who are around the same talent level that currently that we're all trying to shuffle around. So what to do with Mize is super interesting and definitely something to keep an eye on. We still got a week left in spring. Um, opening day, April 1st. This is March 24th. So we still got we still got a week to go. Uh, so, it, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with the rotation and, and it'll be interesting to see Mize, man. I think he's got another start left. Um, so we'll probably get another start and then a decision will probably have to be made about him, uh, relatively quickly here. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, the other one is catcher. The catcher situation is absolutely just hilariously ridiculous. Uh, the backup catcher situation, I should say. Um, it, it's just, it's just so much badness. <laughs> like this is another one where I refuse to use the word, the phrase log jammed. I refuse because everybody fighting for this spot is bad. Wilson Ramos is going to be the starting catcher for this team on opening day. The backup catcher situation competition, I should say has been talked about since the beginning, since before spring, since the end of last season. We've, we've, we've been new. We've known that this is, is going to be a, a huge competition going into this year. Um, and no one's really, like, stepping up. <laughs> so we have Garneau, Rogers, Griner, and Haas. All of them are still currently on the team, for starters. Uh, no one's been part of the rounds of cuts yet. Garneau's been solid. Haas has been solid. Griner has done well in a super small sample size because he got hit in the face by a pitch. And Jake Rogers... I legitimately don't think if you put him on a boat in the ocean and pushed him over that he would hit water. Like, the offense is just still so noticeably and staggeringly terrible. 
So, what do you do? Currently, so I just wrote for for Diamond Digest. If you don't follow them on Twitter, uh, please do. Great website, great baseball minds, great people. Um, growing up and coming baseball kind of news and editorial website. Um, news and analysis, I should say, is probably more accurate. Um, and so, so I write for them, and I just wrote my Tigers season preview that I write for them every year. I currently have Grayson Griner getting the backup catcher job, not because I want to, because I don't. If I ran the team, Grayson Griner would be playing for the the – LG twins in the KBO. I, you know what I mean? I, if it were up to me, but it's not, is it? That's, <laughs> that's why you're watching this because it's not up to me. And I wish it was. So I just think Garneau is a depth piece an organizational depth piece. Haas might get some playing time at the major league level at some point this year. Probably will, to be honest, between injuries and just like Griner, even if he wins the job on opening day, is not going to be the backup catcher for 162. He's just not good enough. Um, and and I everybody wants it to be Jake Rogers. People are like, oh, you should just give it to Rogers. Every I want it to be Jake Rogers. You want it to be Jake Rogers. Your mom wants it. Everybody wants it to be Jake Rogers, bro. I promise. I get it. That being said, the dude cannot hit anything. The offense is still so far from even being remotely competent. I don't even need competence from him. I If he was consistently below average, I'd be like, okay, screw it. Put him in the backup catcher role. We can see if his defense is as advertised. Because to be honest with you, the big thing, right, was like, oh, he's not going to hit well, but he's going to be just elite defender behind the plate. Have you seen that? No, you haven't. And it's not that he's been bad. He's been very far from bad behind the plate. I'm not trying to say he's been bad. But he's not been some wizard back there. This isn't Jose Molina behind the plate. This isn't some... Some Greek god of of framing and and having a cannon and throwing people out. Like he hasn't looked fantastic. He hasn't been that eighty grade defense. So like, if he could even give me below av- like consistently below average, I'd be like, sure, give him the give him the spot because. We, we can we can test out the defense, see if the defense is really as advertised, give him some more plate appearances at the major league level. If he's even like a 650 OPS hitter, sure, man, why not? Half of this team is anyway. Screw it. But no, he's not even that. He's not even really close to that. His first stint in the majors, he had like a 480 OPS in half a season in 2019 or a third of a season. And he has looked no better in spring. He's batting like a buck twenty. You, you have to. So I think they're going to give it to Griner. I really do. I think they're just going to say screw it. We're going to give it to Griner. Rogers is going to start out in the alt site slash minor leagues again. And we're just going to be sitting here thinking, holy cow, this dude is going to be twenty eight years old when he finally debuts, and even when he's twenty eight, he's still going to be a two hundred hitter. I'd take him hitting 200 at this point. Jeez. Okay, really quick because I went way over there on my rant. Uh, The outfield situation is also a massive, massive talking point for this team. Um, The question really is, do we want to carry five outfielders? That's really all this comes down to. Because Akil Badu has been unbelievable. He has been... The MVP of the spring, he's been unreal. And there's no justification for not giving him a roster spot. There's none. You can't you can't leave him off the roster at this point. You just can't. So, 
Grossman is obviously making the team. I don't see a world in which Jacoby Jones does not make this team. Badu's going to make the team. So now you're le- there's three. Now you have Mazzara and Reyes. I don't know why you pay Mazzara to make him not make the team. So I would be shocked if he didn't. I think he's in there, especially with the power he brings. So in theory, your odd man out would be Victor Reyes. However, I think this organization has too big of a love affair with Victor Reyes. I don't think they have the stones to move him down. They think that Victor Reyes, like some of you people on Twitter, think that Victor Reyes is like some borderline all-star for some Lord knows what reason, because you still think batting average is a good stat. So, I I mean, I'd be fine. I, I would be very, if I never saw Victor Reyes play at the major league level again, I would, I would be perfectly fine. I, and that's not to say that the opposite is true either. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, if, if, he was my everyday starting center fielder this year. I wouldn't cry myself to sleep either. He's not bad, but he is not even a starting level player. He's a solid fourth outfielder for a competitive team, man. Uh, okay, I'm not going down this rabbit hole that I've been down a million times. I just get myself worked up. So the decision is basically going to be, can can this organization hold five outfielders? Do they want to hold five outfielders? And are they going <laughs> to hold five outfielders? Um, basically, it just comes down to do they want to use – because we have a 26-man roster now, right? That's the, went from 25 to 26. So do you want to use that extra roster spot to hold a fifth outfielder or to make your bullpen deeper? That's pretty much what it comes down to. We'll see what decision they make. Just a crazy, crazy story this spring in Akil Badu. I hope he keeps raking. That'd be super, super awesome. Okay. Next up, the Detroit basketball Pistons, the Stones, baby. Um, A lot of names being tied to this organization, and I'm not very happy about it. Not because I don't love a good trade, because everyone loves a good trade, right? My problem is that... This organization, for whatever reason, the national media believes that we're like, like buying or something like, okay, the first one is Aaron Gordon. The magic are like, Hey, we're going to move on from Aaron Gordon. Why? And they're like, Oh, the Pistons are interested. Why? Why are the Pistons interested in that? Doesn't make sense to me. What? Why would? Why are the Pistons interested in Aaron Gordon? I would love to know. Yes, he's relatively young. Yes, he he probably has some some, uh, maybe a little bit of untapped potential there. Could get could get better, right? Um. We are. Not good, right? We are trying to get the number one overall pick or at least land in that top three. We're trying to do everything in our power to make that happen. We're selling at the deadline. We're trading Wayne Ellington. We bought out Blake Griffin. We traded Derrick Rose, right? We are actively getting rid of people so that we are worse this year so that we can be better next year. I would love to understand the logic of bringing in a really good, this is nothing against Aaron Gordon, if anything it's a compliment, a really good athletic big man. This is, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie this to the Tigers for a sec, okay? This is the same argument I have when people are like, hey, the Tigers should trade for Trevor Story. No, they should not. They should absolutely throw $500 billion at him this offseason. 
right? But trading for Trevor Story is really stupid. We have been intentionally terrible for five years because we are trying to get good prospects. We're trying to have a high draft pick. We've been acquiring these top prospects. Why on earth would we then, after five years of being terrible, turn around and all those those prospects and stuff we got for being terrible, trade like three of them away to get one player? Now, in basketball, it's a little different because one player has a much bigger impact on a team than in baseball. I fully understand that and acknowledge that. That being said, Aaron Gordon is not the caliber of player that is going to take this team from like the second worst record in the NBA to uh to to anything else besides I mean we we would improve by a couple wins absolutely that's probably fair it just doesn't make sense the long-term outlook of it doesn't make sense the short-term outlook of it doesn't make sense it doesn't do anything for us this year we'd just be taking on a huge salary or a bigger salary huge relatively speaking considering we're not really paying anyone on this team anymore would you be taking on a bigger salary to improve our win total by a couple wins, making our lottery chances worse. And then in the future, I just, I just don't get it. Like, again, this is a situation where, where you cannot be trading away young assets and draft picks and young prospects to get current talent. You are not in a position to do so. If we were talking about signing Aaron Gordon in the offseason, I would not totally be against that. And it'd still be kind of weird to me because he's kind of a really similar, like, young Blake Griffin type of player. But um, I, I, I would at least hear it out. I, I wouldn't think it would be that ridiculous, okay? What is ridiculous is, is trading for him. That makes absolutely no sense. And... The same rumors then started swirling with Oladipo. I love Vic, man. I have loved Vic since he was in college. He went to a rival Big Ten team. I'm a Michigan fan for those who don't know. And I I didn't care. I love him to death, bro. I loved watching him in college. I loved kind of his, when uh, when he was able to go to Indiana and really flourish and kind of break out. I, I've always been a huge Vic fan, okay? This also, this makes a little more sense than Aaron Gordon, okay? Because, but only the only reason it does is because I think the asking price would be a little lower. He hasn't been fantastic. Obviously, the serious injury was horrible. Um, and there's been talks that he just wants out. I just don't think the asking price would be as much for Vic. So, I can kind of see the justification a little bit more. But for principle, it also doesn't make sense to get Vic Oladipo. It really doesn't. I Again, say I, I'm not going to repeat everything I, I just said about Aaron Gordon. But it really doesn't make sense to trade current young talent for older players. Not, you know, those dudes are, aren't you know, 35, but they're not the, the 20 and 21 year olds that this team is full of. And that we're going to be even adding more to next draft. I'm just saying that it doesn't really make sense. The one that I don't, I still don't think this is going to happen, but I think at least kind of makes sense. Norman Powell was another name. The Raptors came out and said, Hey, uh, Norman Powell is uh, on the market. The Raptors are shopping him, etc. Um, and they are talking. And the Pistons are in talks, right? 
first off, the Pistons are in talks for pretty much everyone these days. Weaver, he said it himself. He keeps the clip empty, okay? For real. He keeps that thing empty, like, undubitably. Um, this one makes a little bit, he's 27, solid, solid player, uh, you know, not going to make you any all-star games. This makes a little more sense to me because I think, again, the lower the asking price, the more it makes sense to me is kind of the vibe you're getting here. And that's correct. I don't think it would take very much to get him from the team. Um, and at 27, I think he could be a solid rotational piece when this team is good again, and he is not going to add really any wins to your win total this year. He's not going to ruin any sort of tank. He's not going to ruin your lotto chances. He's not going to make you much better this year, but he is a solid, you know, person that can get 20 ish minutes in a, in a healthy rotation and a good solid competitive rotation. Um, I'm not totally against that, obviously for the right price, uh, very, if I haven't made it clear enough, I don't want any of these people. If it means getting rid of any of the rookies or Seku, I, I don't want any of them. I don't want anything to do with that whatsoever. Uh, throw Jeremy Grant there too. I think Jeremy Grant's value exceeds all these people that ha are have been forementioned. Okay, so those that crew that third of the roster don't get, none of these people are worth that. Okay, absolutely none. But if you're throwing in like Wayne Ellington, not that you're gonna get <laughs> Wayne Ellington for Aaron Gordon. This is more Norman Powell, right? If you can, if you can throw Wayne Ellington, oh, if, well, if they're selling, that doesn't really make sense, I guess. I don't know. I'd have to think about like an actual mock trade to draw. But um, speaking of Wayne Ellington, that, that's the last Pistons news we really have. He's going to get moved. Um, it's just a matter of how good of a second round pick we get. Really, we're not getting a first for him. We can just get that out of everybody's brain right now. Um, we're not getting a first for him. We're not, it's not going to be a Derrick Rose situation where we're going to be able to get like a Dennis Smith Jr. or like a relatively young, like project kind of a player. Wayne Ellington's Wayne Ellington, decent bench shooter for a playoff team. Okay. So we're going to get a second round pick. It's just a matter of how good of a second round pick. Hopefully, you know, obviously the, the, the worse the team, the better the pick. So we'll just keep an eye on that. He's that there's no reason to hold on to him. There's absolutely no reason to that he should be on this team post trade deadline. So we'll see how that goes. Wayne Ellington, someone to keep an eye on. The other three dudes, like I said, I don't want any of them if it means getting rid of one of those people I mentioned. Um and I don't really want Aaron Gordon at all. That doesn't make sense. I don't really want Vic unless you can like get him for nothing, which I don't think is possible. Norman Powell makes a little bit of sense, but again, if the market starts heating up and some team overpays for him, congrats, you get him. I'm not overpaying for him either. Um, it's weird that a rebuilding team that's trying to sell pieces is in so many talks reportedly uh, to bring in people. That kind of confuses me, but regardless... We Weaver's just out here making phone calls, baby. I ain't got a problem with it. Okay. Let's move on to the Detroit Hockey Red Wings. Okay. First off, we haven't scored in over two games. It's bad. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like an hour and 30 minutes. Of ice time, I'm pretty sure is the current shutout streak. I'm pretty sure it's 90 minutes. Or like 95 minutes, maybe. It's a lot. Um, so, shutout again last night. Shutout the night before. The game before that was a win over Dallas. Uh, however, the big blow was Bernier goes down. There's a lot of reasons why this sucks, and we talked about it on Lockdown Red Wings. As always, 
I'm a co-host there. We interviewed Gary Thorne on Monday. The Gary Thorne. We got a sit-down interview with him. It was so awesome. He has so many great stories. It's our easily our biggest episode to date. Uh, in, incredible response. So go listen to that. Uh, and and it's it's so cool, man. Just hearing him talk and hearing his stories and and all that. Uh, I asked him about the who do you think you are? I am P. Weber moment. Um, just a absolutely incredible, incredible interview. So fun. Uh, and then we got some interviews with some some prospect people that know way more about NHL prospects than, than we do. Um, some SHL guys uh, and gals. And then the um, Tony Ferrari, big NHL prospect guy, big draft prospect guy. Got to talk to him. So uh, go check out Lockdown Red Wings. We talked about all this uh, as well, everything that I'm about to talk about, we kind of talked about as well. So you can go get a more in-depth breakdown there, full 30, 40 minute show just on the wings, locked on red wings. Uh, yeah, definitely go check them out. Fun, fun group of guys. And I'm a co-host, so, you know, it's fun. Anyway, back to the main point, back to the original point. Back to what we were talking about. That's what I'll say. Um, Bernier goes down in Dallas. Wow, that kind of sounds like a like a sequel to a movie. Like not a first movie, right? Like you'd never be like the movie would not be like Jonathan Bernier down in Dallas. That wouldn't be like the first movie. It would just be like the first movie would just be like Jonathan Bernier. And then the sequel would be Jonathan Bernier down in Dallas coming to a theater near you 2021. I don't know, man. I I don't know, man. That that sounds pretty sweet to me, to be honest with you. But Bernier goes down in Dallas. Oh, I love it. Um super unfortunate. <laughs> not not trying to make light of the situation um killer for the team um the the big thing is there's a lot of reasons why this affects the team in a lot of different ways um this affects the team in a lot of different ways for starters uh, thomas grice is just not as good as jonathan bernier just straight up coming into the season we were told that it would kind of be like a goalie by committee thing or like a whoever's hot is going to be goalie. Um, we're gonna most of them are going to see. They're gonna see like equal ish playing time. There's not gonna be like a you're a starter and you're a backup kind of thing. They're just gonna split duties. Um, how the turns table? That that did not last very long. Bernier has been phenomenal this year, and Grice has not been. I mean to. Let's just call a spade a spade. He hasn't been very good. Um, he hasn't been horrible. He's he's a backup. He is what he is, man. He's a backup. So, as uh, I'm cool with him being a backup because he's a backup. The problem is Bernier's hurt. Grice is getting all the time between the pipes. And he's getting exposed as a backup. So, that's already kind of a, a frustrating point, a frustrating problem, okay? The fact that Bernier's hurt just means we have a worse goalie in net. That was going to happen post-trade deadline anyway, most likely. The, the really frustrating part to me is that trade value. Trade value, trade value, trade value. This is this is so brutal. You have a, a handful of dudes that actually other people may actually want. Bobby Ryan, Luke Glendenning, apparently Mark Stahl, but I'll believe it when I see it. And Jonathan Bernier. 
there's a couple other people maybe trickle in there. But for the most part, that's your that's your main trade pieces. That's your main trade core. Okay. What it, it, when you're trying to sell at the deadline, you're a rebuilding team. You're trying to get rid of people. You're trying to get assets in return. It is so devastating when one of your only tradable pieces gets hurt. And we don't know the extent. He could be back freaking tomorrow. Okay. That doesn't sound like it. But we don't know. This isn't. It doesn't sound like it's like a season ending thing. Like, you know, whatever. I'm not trying to say that this is like career altering for him. But especially with the two week quarantine when you trade across the border of, of Canada. The Canadian trade deadline is like soon. I mean, there's only one trade deadline, but like the the imaginary Canadian trade deadline, like no Canadian team. I don't think the the Canadian teams are really going to be dealing on deadline day because of that two week quarantine rule. Uh, I don't see them being super active. I think they're going to be active now so that they can get their people by the actual trade deadline. The biggest problem I have with the injury man is, and, and I, you know, I'm not <laughs> obviously personally like get better. I love Bernier, but like th- the biggest thing for me, man, is just that this very tradable piece is now, is now heard and, and maybe we don't get to advertise him as much or that might hurt his stock if it ends up being lingering. Also, what the heck happened to Bertuzzi? Oh, yeah, he'll be out a couple of days. He's been out like a month. Anyway, so obviously from a personal level, I hope him a speedy recovery. But also on a personal level, like, you know, get a speedy recovery so that you can go play for a competitive team, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, let's let's just be honest with ourselves. You want to go play for a competitive hockey team? Let's get you right. Let's get you back out there. We'll flip you for something. It'll be a win-win for everybody. Okay? Um, so that is obviously the the biggest probably personnel news. Um, the offense as a whole has also just been absolutely terrible. We don't have to go too much in depth on it. But, like, obviously we've been shut out two games in a row. But then even the game before that, Right, uh, the Fabry game, Fabry got a hat trick, and that we had three goals. It was a Fabry hat trick. We were a Fabry hat trick away from getting shut out again, <laughs> which is ridiculous for me to say because somebody got a hat trick. But you get the point. The offense has not been good all year. That is, we have played thirty-two games. The Detroit Red Wings have played thirty-two games. We have scored two or less in twenty-two. Of 32. That is terrible. That is really, really bad. You are not going to win very many hockey games with that. Especially when you don't have exactly elite people between the pipes. And a pretty trash defense. Not really a recipe for success. Sadly. So... The offense, terrible, terrible, terrible. Now, the last thing we have to talk about is Tim Peel. I would imagine quite a few people have no idea who Tim Peel is. Uh, Tim Peel was, I should say, a referee for the National Hockey League. Okay. Tim Peel refed last night's Wings Predators game. Literally less like 15 hours ago, refed the Wings Preds game. Tim Peel is no longer an NHL referee. Go to your front door, turn the knob, open it, let that sink in. Okay? That's wild. Less than a day ago. 
This dude went to bed last night as an NHL referee and is no longer. Now, initially, here, okay, here's what happened. Well, well uh, that's really important to me to say. I just kind of skipped over that. Here's what happened. Tim Peel got caught in a hot mic. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, did he say some ignorant stuff? Or did he, you know, swear and, and the NHL got mad or whatever? Like, no, absolutely not. Well, he did drop an F-bomb, but that's not why he got fired. Tim Peel got caught on Mike, I guess you would say, on camera, saying, I wanted to give Nashville a penalty. Because, uh, and then it cut off. Okay. Basically saying that admitting to, to a makeup call essentially is what happened. He basically admitted to a makeup call, fully admitted that he, uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> He admitted that he was being super tic-tac-y and super like, hey, that's probably not a penalty, but this team deserves a makeup call, so I'm going to give him a penalty here. That's obviously a, a problem. Clearly. Now. There's a lot to digest here, okay? A lot to digest. First off, he got fired this morning. Now, that's on paper. You're like, oh, wow. Because I don't think anyone expected the NHL to do anything. They're like, oh, we're investigating. And then they were just going to be like, okay, yeah, we came back. Nothing happened. Oh, no. I think that's what most people expected. And they fired him. And at first, we were like, oh, my gosh, they actually fired him. Then, shout out to Brian, man. Brian is uh, someone that I met through Locked On Red Wings. He helps us out over there. Um, works for 97.1. Great guy. Brian pointed out to me and his 140 Twitter followers that... <laughs> that... The ref was retiring. Tim Peel was retiring in April. He was set to retire. He was gone into the wind. He was literally set to retire. And the NHL comes in and tries to pretend like they're heroes. They fired him like two weeks before he was going to retire. They're like, oh, see, we care about the integrity. We care about the integrity of the game. Look at us. We fired this guy. He was retiring in 10 to 14 business days. Barely a punishment. And as Brian points out in this, in this, uh, this tweet... They don't have to address the real issue because they can pretend like they did something. They really didn't do anything. And a dude that was about to be gone is gone. Congrats. You did absolutely freaking nothing. So. First off, we'll start with that. The firing is really stupid and means nothing and is dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Next up, we have, why are you, like, I understand you have to try to uphold your reputation, so you got to do something. The I am 99% convinced, and we all are, that the NHL tells their refs to do this. This isn't some new development where we're all like, oh my gosh, this is a thing in hockey. No. Every, we Ben knew, everybody Ben knew 
This is not news. This is not new. What? The NHL just fired a guy for doing what he was told. And it's not, it's not, it's not exact. Obviously, it's not written down anywhere that like, hey, makeup calls are are encouraged or whatever. And they fired him. They're trying to make it sound like it's not. I will bet you any amount of money that this is taught. And they didn't just start doing this for fun. You think all the refs just got together one day like, hey, we should do makeup calls. What? They didn't go to school and like come up through and try to be NHL refs just to one day be like, oh, I kind of want to be worse at my job so that everybody's happy. This is absolutely enforced. Maybe enforced is the wrong word. This is absolutely encouraged by the NHL. And they just fired a dude for doing it. Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. Shout out to the NHL, man. You, the MLB, and the NCAA just always in a in a race for worst run organization in sports. Just an incredible foot race that always comes down to a photo finish. And the finish line just keeps getting pulled back because right when you think somebody wins, somebody else does something ridiculous. Just an incredible, incredible foot race by those three. All right. Lastly, the Detroit Football Lions. First off, we restructured Goff's contract. Okay. And this is actually sweet. This is sweet. He was due like $20 million this year. We restructured it to where um, 15 of the $20 million was a signing bonus. And the other 5 mil would actually be his salary and be on the cap. That's huge. We just dotted some T's. Wow. I just said dotted some T's. We just crossed some T's and dotted some I's. Wow. That was a good moment for me. I'm going to leave it in. We crossed some T's, dotted some I's, and now have 15 more million dollars in cap space that we didn't have before. Big brain move by the boys in the front office. Great move. Um, and obviously gives us a lot more freedom to do other stuff and, and pursue other people in free agency, et cetera. So, and, and just in trades in general, man, like people don't realize that how important cap is to, to the trade market. So very, very smart move, not too much to go in depth on just a really great move all around. Glad they did it. If they can somehow convince him to do that again next year, we could just cut him. Because his cap, all his his dead cap at least, goes away after his second year. He has like no guaranteed money after his second year. It's all front-loaded. Still a big cap hit, but it's not guaranteed. So like, I don't know. Maybe you just do that again next year. Be like, hey man, you want to do the same thing again? Oh, sure. Okay, you sign. Here's $15 million lump sum. Go away. I don't know. Just a thought. Just a thought. Just a thought. I'm just thinking. Obviously, that requires us to take a QB either this year or next year, which is a good transition into our last talking point of the episode, which is another mock draft by the one and only Mel Kuyper. The last one we touched on was uh, one where we were trading back. Where did we trade back to? I probably should know that because I talked about it. Uh, I think we traded back to like 15. And then took Michael Parsons from Penn State. Uh, best, I mean, that's, uh, I don't think that's that ridiculous. Um, especially if you're dead set on QB and all the quarterbacks go before you, which is very possible. Um, I think that uh, trading back and still getting the best linebacker in the draft is obviously a, if you're not going to go QB, 
that that I don't mind that at all. I don't mind that at all, especially if all the quarterbacks are gone. Like I said, that's obviously that that could be a great move. His mock that just came out over the weekend, uh, maybe sooner. Maybe it was just like Monday. Anyway, another Kuiper mock dropped and had us staying at seven this time and taking Devontae Smith from Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, I love Devontae Smith. I love him to death, man. I love him as a person. He is such a cool guy. I love him as a player. I think he has potential to be an unreal receiver at the NFL level. Um, he is, he is truly unreal. Taking him at seven is interesting. I'm not against it. I'm not against it at all. Um, I think it also, again, depends on the quarterbacks. If you're looking at at Lawrence, Wilson, who I don't even want anyway, Fields, and Lance, all being gone before seven, then like, I, like screw it. Why not, man? Odds are pretty good that a damn good receiver is going to be on the board if if you're at seven and four of the, the six picks ahead of you were all quarterbacks, right? And one of them is going to be an offensive lineman too. Odds are pretty damn good that there's going to be a really good wide receiver, either him or Chase or somebody, is going to be there at seven. You can address a wide receiver, call it a win. You got two first-round picks for the next two years after that. You don't need to trade back if you don't want to. Why not? I really don't mind either of those scenarios. The big question is just how badly do you want a quarterback? That's really what all this comes down to. That's that's the story of the draft, honestly. It's the big question. If you need a quarterback, if you are are in a situation where you're thinking, okay, I don't like next year's quarterback room, uh, and two years from now is too much of a gamble, that's too far in the future for my liking, whatever, uh, I need the golf successor now. See, but the problem is, like, all four of them could be gone. That's not out of the question. Honestly, every passing day, it becomes more and more likely that four quarterbacks are going to go in the top six. I don't think it's that ridiculous. I don't know, man. I don't know. I wouldn't take a quarterback if I was the Jets. But they might still. They seem to love Zach Wilson. And, I mean, besides that, you could make an argument really... I don't know, man. I don't know. I go back and forth a lot. We still got a little bit of time till draft day. And we will obviously be talking about all the mocks and everything as the day gets closer and closer. But it really just comes down to your personal opinion of how badly you think you want a quarterback. If you absolutely need one this year, well, or if you're like, hey, I want one of those four, but if it's not one of those four, then this happens. There's a lot. It really depends on the quarterback room, man. I mean, what if only two are taken? What if Wilson and Lawrence are taken, but then like Fields is still on the board when you get to us? I don't know, man. There's The draft's going to be absolutely insane. Um I would not mind Devontae Smith. Look, we don't have any wide receiver under contract in this room like past this year. It's ridiculous. If we didn't draft or sign anyone for the next 12 months, we would go into next season or the next 15 months. We would go into the 2022 season with zero wide receivers on the field. So we obviously we need to address that. 
and I love Devontae Smith, but it, it really just all comes back to how much do you like all the quarterbacks that are left on the board when you're there at seven? I don't think trading up is an option. Trading back's absolutely an option. It's going to be a heck of a day. It's going to be a fun couple weeks leading up to it, too, with all the rumors and stuff flying around. And we freed up 15 million cap space. So we still got some free agent moves that, that could happen, or some trades at least. Holmes has been a wizard. Good start to the regime. Uh, we'll see how he does in the draft. All right. Episode 20, man. 20 deep. Love to see it. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it for 20 whole episodes. You have been listening. That is so awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate all of you. Um, I love getting reached out too. Is that English? I love when people reach out. How about that? Uh, and talk to me about the show and, and stuff like that. It's created some opportunities for me that I don't think I would have had if I didn't have it. So I love it. I'm glad that uh, that you people seem to still be listening to it. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been The Bentley Show. I am your host, Scott Bentley. Um, any final words? I don't think so. I think that's about it. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. Go to Detroit Sports, baby. Peace.